0: Hi there, welcome back to MLEX's weekly regulatory affairs podcast. I'm James Paniki, MLEX's Asia-Pacific Senior Editor. It's great to be back in your feed wherever you may be listening to us today. Now any talk of introducing tariffs is always going to be politically charged, particularly at the moment with protectionist sentiment on the rise and the US in the midst of a presidential election campaign which is why growing support in the European Union for plans to push ahead with a levy on carbon-intensive imports is likely to spark plenty of controversy over the next 12 months. The levy is designed to protect domestic industry from carbon leakage. That's when EU industry moves production to other jurisdictions to sidestep European environmental standards. And we'll discuss how this may yet play out in the US context a bit later on. But first up, we're joined by Julia Bedini, an MLEX energy reporter based in Brussels, who has been covering this issue very closely. Now, Juliet, uh, to start with, where does this idea of imposing an EU carbon tariff on imports actually come from?
1: Uh, so, well, James, the idea of introducing some kind of carbon pricing measure at the bloc's border um, has been around for a while now. Uh, France, for example, has long advocated for it. Uh, especially in light of the toughening of EU uh, climate regulation in recent years. Uh, But it only took shape at the EU's top table last year, uh, when European Commission President Ursula von der Leyen included uh, this measure in her political guidelines for her five-year mandate. Um, And that actually marked a significant change from the past, because uh, the EU's executive had traditionally opposed this idea and. It also rebuffed calls from various industrial companies claiming that they actually needed such a measure to compete on an equal footing with uh, foreign businesses that were not subject to a carbon price. And so we have this idea of a EU carbon border adjustment mechanism. So it is called by the EU in its uh, fairly complicated policy lingo, and the idea is to reduce the risk of carbon leakage. Um, Carbon leakage is a phenomenon whereby EU companies uh, decide to outsource part of their production and so they move some sites in jurisdictions that have laxer environmental requirements and the reason is to cut costs. Uh, The problem of course is that from an environmental point of view, Uh, This doesn't help uh, in terms of greenhouse gas emissions abatement, because emissions are simply moved elsewhere in the world, but they're not curbed. And at the same time, this represents a setback for the EU's industrial competitiveness. We can also mention that the measure has gained again even more traction because this carbon border tax has been uh, in principle backed by EU leaders. At a marathon summit in July, when they made a decision on uh, this huge um, uh, COVID nineteen recovery package for the bloc's economy, of course hit by the by the pandemic, and so now this, uh, the idea is not only to uh, shield uh, domestic industries and to try and uh, spur more ambitious climate policies elsewhere in the world, but also to uh, use this levy on imports to replenish the use coffers and thus help the Commission to uh, repay the funds that it wants to borrow from the markets.
0: Okay, so that tells us something about the political context in which this is happening. There's clearly a mood uh, uh, politically to move ahead with this, but what uh, likely to be the industries most affected by this? What business leaders need to be on the alert here?
1: Well, yeah, as I was trying to explain, the idea has indeed gathered a lot of steam recently, but it's still far from its final shape. So for instance, as far as its actual scope is concerned, we could say that the jury is still out there. Nonetheless, uh, one can one can safely infer that many sectors should be on the alert. Uh, so Sabine Weyand, uh, who had, for example, the Commission's Trade Department recently said that officials are scrutinizing a wide range of industries and that's aimed at seeking evidence for such carbon leakage I was referring to before. And these sectors are, and I'm quoting here, cement, uh, fertilizers, steel, non-ferrous metals, chemicals, pulp and paper, glass. And we also have electricity in the energy sector. So, well, as you know, James, these products feed into very various other complex value chains. So this means that other sectors like the construction and the car-making ones may also be impacted in the end by such a measure.
0: Julia, so what you're saying is that there will be a sort of a sector-by-sector analysis of the kind of leakage that you were talking about, it won't be just a broad across the board tariff, there will be some detail uh, in the approach that the European Union is considering.
2: Yes,
1: exactly. As you said, James, and um, well, indeed, uh, to be fair, it is uh, highly unlikely that all of these sectors in the end will make it to the final list of those that basically deserve uh, such a such a trade, defence and climate policy tool or measure. And first of all, because before uh, making such a move, EU regulators will need to prove uh, that those sectors face such a risk. And second, because President von der Leyen herself has said several times that the measure should first be introduced in a selected suit of sectors and then eventually extended mm. to others.
0: And do we know what the measures would actually look like? Do we have any sense of what uh, what form they might take?
1: Well, yeah, again as for the scope, uh, the design of the measure also remains very much an open question at this stage. Uh, however, documents uh, that were recently put to public consultation by the commission unveiled that there are several options under consideration. Uh, one of these is a border tax or customs duty that would be applied to imports only. A second option instead is an, ex- is an excise or VAT type of charge that uh, the Commission said could be applied at the point of consumption and this means that it could target both imported and EU products. And then we have a third option that is the inclusion of either importers or foreign producers within the bloc's emissions trading system. And this is a cup and trade programme uh, whereby companies have to purchase annually allowances to cover the emissions that they release uh, in the atmosphere over a certain permitted uh, quantity. And then there is a slight alternative that was also flagged by the Commission That is basically uh, the introduction of an obligation, again, on either importers or foreign producers to buy carbon permits, but not exactly on the EU's carbon market, instead from a specific pool outside the ETS. But this is as much as we know uh, so far. So we'll see what regulators opt for.
0: And what do we know about the main hurdles facing EU regulators as they attempt to design this tariff?
1: Well, there are a range of hurdles EU regulators are certainly facing, and some of them are more of a technical nature, whereas others more of a political one. So first of all, they will have to prove that such carbon leakage really is a thing and for which sectors this holds true. And then uh, another range of questions over how to calculate the product's carbon footprint so should for example enforcers look at the entire value chain and include emissions from the international transport of certain goods or even those coming from the electricity that is used during the production process again who would be responsible for verifying such carbon content so these are some of the technicalities, let's say, policymakers will have to come to terms with. However, the most central one is probably the compatibility of this measure with the rules of international trade. So the main challenge for the EU is to demonstrate that this measure is actually aimed at reducing greenhouse gas emissions globally and not at protecting its own industries. And the reason is that WTO rules, so the rules of the World Trade Organization, uh, don't allow to discriminate between domestic and imported products that are directly competitive because of the way they are produced. And this includes also the amount of carbon emissions that uh, is part of their production process. Um, Then again, some supporters claim that there could be Uh, a way to justify this carbon levy at the bloc's borders under an exceptional regime of the general agreement on tariffs and trade. But yeah, on top of all these uh, technical things, EU policymakers also may face uh, a high level of political opposition in spite of this uh, generally positive atmosphere around the policy. A consequence, for example, domestically, is that certain sectors may see a cut in the free allowances that they get uh, within the ETS because uh, otherwise the coexistence of free carbon permits with the carbon border tax uh, would result in double protection that again is not in line uh, with WTO rules but uh, ultimately in my opinion it is the international stage uh, the one to watch for upcoming turmoil let's say.
0: Yeah, Well, Julia, let's talk about that. I mean, you report on energy, not necessarily trade, but you know of the the trade environment globally at the moment. It's particularly tense. Donald Trump is particularly irate already when it comes to the European Union. How is this uh, international atmosphere likely to feed into what is being discussed at the moment, with particular reference, I suppose, to the United States?
1: Well, yeah, certainly um, a new carbon border tax wouldn't ease tensions around the globe Uh, and uh, yeah as you said especially given the current very unstable environment in the trade sphere and uh, well the EU would expose itself to possible retaliation in a way um, because its trade partners could challenge the measure at the WTO and well indeed although the EU's stated objective is actually to inspire more ambitious climate policies globally it's in the end quite unrealistic that all its trade uh, partners will simply follow its lead and raise their environmental standards either to prevent this measure or to respond to it. So, yeah, actually, some have already felt the heat of these plans and major trade partners like Russia, China and, as you said, the US, have already suggested that they might bring the measure uh, to the Geneva-based body But another problem is that given the dysfunctional appeal system at the WTO now also as part of US obstruction to that uh, process, some may even opt for unilateral retaliatory measures and an example could well be US tariffs uh, on cars, for example. But again, with the US presidential elections due in November, uh, things may also change on that front. Uh, But I think I'll leave you in company with a trade expert to discuss that aspect more thoroughly.
0: Okay, then. So we'll uh, talk to that trade expert in just a a few moments. Uh, Julia, thank you so much for talking to us. Thank you for all of your coverage uh, over the past weeks and months. It's a fascinating issue. And let's uh, talk again very soon.
1: Sure. Thanks, James. It's been a pleasure.
0: Julia Bedini is an Mlex Energy reporter. She was talking to me from Brussels. Now, listening into that conversation was Kat Lucero, one of Mlex's trade correspondents based in Washington DC. Now, Kat, you're looking at all of this from the other side of the Atlantic. Uh, does the US have similar carbon tax goals as the EU, or is this likely to be seen as yet another example of uh, you know European quirkiness?
2: So the U.S. right now has a a carbon uh, pricing system that's in the uh, state-by-state case. So California has one, and the northeast states like New York, Massachusetts, Connecticut, they're part of a regional cap-and-trade program called the Greenhouse Gas Initiative. Now, there's a growing interest to um, implement a, a nationwide carbon pricing system, whether it's a tax or, or um, a cap and trade, a hybrid, uh, simply because there's more awareness of climate change or the neg- negative impact of climate change on businesses and the well-being of people in general. And for you know U.S. policymakers, there's the money from a fee or a tax or a tariff is just another revenue stream that would support major government programs like tax breaks for renewable en- energy projects. There are lots of proposals out there in in Congress, uh, whether it's a a fee, a tax for the border adjustment, a cap and trade or a hybrid. Um, However, the political momentum and ambition is not in the same level as what Julia had described earlier in the EU, especially under the current leadership in the US.
0: Well, how would the Trump administration react to an EU plan that uh, Julia has just described?
2: Well, it really depends on what the EU is going to offer. Um, If the plan targets American companies or a small um, group of companies that are politically savvy and has the ear of the president, then it's not going to be welcomed. Robert Lighthizer, who is Trump's uh, chief trade negotiator, he said at the Chatham House in London um, during a virtual webinar that he's in a way, supportive of a um, of another country's policies to reduce pollution. However, if it discriminates um, against American companies, then it's not going to be tolerated by the Trump administration. Now, we've seen something similar with France's digital services tax. Um, last year, France adopted um, such a tax, and in return, the U.S. retaliated with tariffs on French goods like cosmetics and handbags. And the US is planning to do the same for the UK, Spain, Italy, and other countries that have already adopted or are planning to adopt a similar digital services tax. And this is the same trade tool that uh, Trump had used against, the, against China, um, imposing tariffs on billions of dollars uh, worth of Chinese products. So it really depends on what the, the EU has in mind.
0: So Kat, what you're saying is that Trump doesn't necessarily oppose tariffs conceptually, but the question is whether or not he would embrace uh, something that was driven by uh, environmental concerns.
2: Only if it impacts uh, American companies, because as we've all seen, he's all about protecting the U.S. companies from uh, foreign companies and imports coming into the U.S.,
0: Okay, so much for President Donald Trump. What about President Joe Biden? I mean, if the Democratic nominee for president were to be elected in November, what are the prospects of the U.S. having its own carbon tax plan?
2: Well, first of all, the narrative on climate change will significantly change under Biden um, because Biden and a majority of Democrats have made the climate crisis a priority in their policy goals. And second, There might be a willingness to engage with the EU and repair this, you know, the longstanding transatlantic relations, which right now have been strained under Trump. But then again, it really depends on what the EU has proposed. Um, so if the EU views it as a protectionist measure targeting US companies, then there will be some pushback from the Biden administration. We saw this similar pushback under President Barack Obama, who is also a Democrat. A few years ago, the EU was considering broadening its uh, carbon emissions fees for domestic airlines to international flights. So, you know, American Airlines, United, Delta, they would have to pay for the amount of greenhouse emissions they emit. And Obama said, no, thanks. And he signed into law um, that would require U.S. airlines to be excluded from the EU emissions trading system. So, again, it really depends on what the EU has offered in their carbon pricing plan.
0: Kat, thank you so much for this uh, recap. Let's talk again soon. Thank you.
2: Thank you. Goodbye.
0: That was Kat Lucero, who covers trade for MNEX from Washington, D.C. And as always, you can find some additional reading on this and other regulatory issues at our website, mnexmarketinsight.com. That's M-L-E-X marketinsight.com. Just click on the Insight Centre tab for the very best of our reporting and analysis. And that's it for today. I'm James Paniki from Emlex's Asia Pacific team. Thank you so much for your company. I hope to catch you again next week at more or less the same time. Bye for now.